0: I like the movie, movie. I like the movie, movie. I like the movie, movie. You like the movie. I like the movie, movie. I like the movie, movie. I like the movie, movie. You like the movie. I like the movie, movie. I like the movie, movie. I like the movie, movie. You like the movie. Hello. <laughs> you are Good the day.
1: Worst. Uh, welcome to I like to movie movie, your favorite movie mo- podca- m- podcast. Hopefully. Yes, yeah. it's it's a movie show that we do for yes. you. You <laughs> love it. You love it. We love it. We do actually. We are probably we love it more than most. I would think. Oh yeah, uh, but you're gonna love it. You're going to because yeah. it's great. Uh, oh, that's great. So on I like to movie movie, what we do is we talk about what we consider movie movies, and a movie movie is any film that totally takes advantage of the format of movies. Stories that. Can can only be told as movies. Which is why, once again, we're talking about a movie that was adapted from something. Yeah, I think
0: this is definitely we're breaking the rules, but I think that it, it fits. because um, It completely fits. I think
1: adaptation is a very significant part of movie making, especially absolutely.
0: today. I mean, our first episode was an adaptation. Yes. And, um, I mean, to, to let it out, we're talking about Watchmen. Yes. And um, Watchmen Did you say watch man? Watchmen, watchmen, Watchman? Watchman. <laughs> He's the superhero. He's always watching. No, it's <laughs> Watchmen. And um, if you're not familiar with this uh, comic book, you have lived under a rock on the moon for a long time <laughs> because it, it exists. It's out there. It's largely considered the best comic ever written. Yes. It won the Victor Hugo Award for science fiction, and rightfully so. And
1: it is one of Time Magazine's 100 Best Novels. Absolutely. That's right. 100 Best Novels.
0: It's not a comic book movie. Mom, it's a graphic novel. Yeah. You know, it's that kind well, of thing. and
1: that actually makes the distinguishment that it is not even 100 best graphic novels, 100 best novels novels uh which is and it fits
0: is apt for
1: this yes absolutely well,
0: i am half of your hosts dan scully i am your other half of hosts <laughs> garrett smith and um yeah we want to talk about watchmen and we want to talk about Zack snyder's adaptation of it yes
1: very specifically we're interested in adaptation as it relates to this uh, this film mm-hmm.
0: now i wanted to say this This is something that i was about to say before yes. we sat down watchmen is a story that was introduced to me by my buddy isaac yes um his dad is a very big uh He would probably be a hipster if he wasn't in his 50s because he's one of those guys that if you don't like, if you like something that he doesn't like, he has no time for you. But you can always trust his recommendations to be good. And so he lent me his copy of Watchmen and I read it and I went to give it back to him. And he said, how many times did you read it? And I said, once. And he said, well, keep it. I said what do you mean? He's like you got to read it 3 times. Yeah. I was like I don't want to read I read it. It's it's done. Yeah. And I was like I want to talk to you about this. And he's like nope, not until you've read it 3 times. <laughs> so I read it the second time. I brought it back to him. Yeah. And I was like okay, I read it another time. And he was like did you read it 3 times? And I said no, but I I saw so much more the second time. Yeah. You're right. And he was like well, I'm not going to talk about it with you until you've read it a third time. And So I read it a third time, and he's absolutely right. Yes. I've probably read it cover to cover maybe 10 times in my mm-hmm. life, and every time, even though I know it inside and out, I find something new that, that was either in there on purpose or that I intuited to it, and it's awesome. It's a malleable piece of art, and yes. it's untouchable. Yes. It's unadaptable. Yes, that was I submit the big thing for a it. long time. Absolutely, and they, they tried, I think, in the 80s. They went through well, they've tried a, a bunch of script times. rights. Uh, at one point, HBO
1: was going to buy it and make it a series. Mm-hmm. Um. There's uh There's just a. They they could never figure out how to. It's a very dense book. It's twelve issues as a comic. It's twelve issues, mm-hmm. but every issue has uh sort of a a postscript of writings from one of the characters' novels or crime reports from the time. Uh, there is a a comic book within this comic book that goes panel by panel. Sometimes you're reading Watchmen. Sometimes you're reading the Black Freighter, and they parallel over each other, and which creates this other interesting context for how we're supposed to understand these characters in this story. There's so much going on in this book. How could you ever hope to make it a movie?
0: And that's that's one of the things when you're adapting is what concessions do you have to make to a narrative to make it more cinematic? Um, I've been running into this a lot. I'm a huge fan of Game of Thrones. And as a result, I've ended up reading all of the books. And now I have finished the books, which are way ahead of where the show is. And I talk to a lot of people that are like, well, the show took this out. And it's just a large segment of dialogue. And it's like, you know what? That didn't need to be there yeah, because it needs to be more cinematic. Yes. And so there are certain changes about Watchmen that they made to make it more cinematic. Um, we should talk about uh, the director, Zack Snyder, yep. who is essentially becoming the Joss Whedon to the DC universe. Indeed. And this was really his window into that. Yeah. Well, and, um, he did 300 before this, which is also technically a comic that's adaptation. That's true. And that is DC, isn't it? Uh, oh, I don't know about that. But I mean, it's a comic book yeah. adaptation. It's Frank. Yeah. Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. and um, But, you know, he's working with Frank Miller now for yes. you know Batman versus Superman mm-hmm. that has a lot of uh, Dark Knight Returns mm-hmm. in it, and uh, which I actually just read. And uh oh. mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. so good. So I want to read it again. Mm-hmm. And, um, when he fights Superman at the end, oh, oh it's so good! Yeah. And that—that's what I want to see. I know. And so, but he—he he took Watchmen and didn't really make his own thing with it. Which, um, actually, the guy who gave me the comic book, he really did not like Watchmen. He was sure. like, "If you're going to make it, you should change it from the from the uh, you know comic book a lot." And I said, "No." Yeah. His same argument with um you know dark uh, dark knight. He was saying how, ah, if they made it too much like the comic book it would have been boring. So it's it's up in the air what's yeah, the right way yeah. to go. But I think they nailed it. And you were talking about how each issue is bookended with, you know, just something that's not a comic book. Right. And to me, that's world building. Yes. Which, when you're dealing with any sort of sci fi narrative, is very important. Yes. Um, you have to build a world, but you can't just come out and go, this is what's happening, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, and so we learn, you know, Reagan is on his yep. uh, third or fourth term yep. because they've abolished that rule. Yep. You know, there's certain things that you pick up that aren't outright told. Right. And so it builds this world for which The Watchmen can exist. And the movie does this so elegantly at the very beginning in the form of a that. montage. Yep. Uh, and his, um, his
1: music video sensibility exactly often get the best of him in his movies but in this one they really really work because he accomplishes what this comic does in two to three pages at the end of 12 issues so over the course of 12 issues in two to three pages they do all this world building he accomplishes it all in what might be a 45 second montage
0: i think it's probably like two or three minutes you think it's that long i mean it runs almost the whole song it's uh, the the times they are a change in the bob dylan song yeah and um, but he it accomplishes shows a lot of imagery of from in the that. comic book, yeah. every ounce of it. And it builds this world. And this is actually kind of an issue I had with the movie is mm-hmm. when I sat down to watch it, knowing the comic in and out, I was able to pick up on everything. And oh, yeah. I wonder if somebody who had not read the comic yes. sat. To, but then the argument is, who's seeing this movie that didn't you know, <laughs> yeah, read yeah, the yeah. comic? Um, and a lot of people who did that didn't really care for the movie. Right. And um, so, so there's a lot to take in. Yes. But his music video sensibility does it because I don't think a word of dialogue is spoken. Mm. No, no. Um, it, it, it opens, of course, with the scene with the comedian. But mm-hmm. the real opening is that. Yeah. And the world that they're building, for those that are not, uh, not savvy to it, is a world where heroes, not necessarily superheroes, heroes came out of the woodwork, fought crime. Yep. And did so for such a long time. And it became so controversial that an act was written that said, no more superheroes. Yeah. No one can be a hero anymore. The idea is actually they exist
1: in a world that is much like ours, almost identical to ours, but a slightly altered history of ours, Mm -hmm. where comic books influenced the culture so much so early people started putting on costumes and fighting crime. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the basic concept. Uh, And then as you said, it just, it gets out of hand. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so the government decides to step in and say no more heroes. Mm -hmm. However, at the same time that they step in and say no more heroes, they hire one of them to work for them Two, technically, because the government accidentally creates a true superhero. A god. In the midst of this. Mm-hmm. Yes, a god. Uh, and then he and another hero get hired by the government to work for them. At the it, same
0: time that they're saying no more It's interesting, too, that, that it is the comedian yes. that gets hired. Because um, the comedian is the one hero that isn't really doing it for the glory. No. Isn't really doing it for justice. No. He almost has the same motivations as the Joker. He's a sick Whereas fan. he just wants to watch this shit go down mm-hmm. and he wants to be an agent of whatever he can be. Yep. And um, he's a fucked up character. Yep. And it's interesting too that he's the comedian. Yes. Because his whole thing is that this awful existence that we're all shoehorned into is the ultimate punchline. One big joke. And it's funny because being a comedian... A lot of I don't want to call comedy a coping mechanism, but in a way there's a lot of like injustices that that. I see and just like social injustices or social weirdnesses that could make me upset, but instead I go, (laughs) that's fucking funny. Yeah. And so he's a much darker version of that notion. Yes. And so it's it's obvious that they would use him to work for the government because whereas, you know, in the Marvel world, a Captain America might say, This is ethically wrong, I'm out. The comedian will never do that. No. He will never
1: do that. He'll accomplish whatever they want him to. Because he'll be whatever anyone... Actually, I was about to say he'll be whatever anyone wants him to be, but maybe even more beneficial to the government is he won't be anything anyone... He'll be whatever he wants to be in the mm-hmm. moment, which will allow them to sol- quote-unquote solve certain problems mm-hmm. uh, in ways that they wouldn't direct anyone to solve. Exactly. But They he'll wouldn't just say, you've got to kill this yeah.
0: guy, but they know he's a live wire and he'll do it. Yeah. He shoots... A woman to death that's pregnant with his child that yes. he clearly just fucked one night yep. in uh, Vietnam. Yep. And, um, uh, and so, but also too, that is another real world association. Yes. Um, we still, as a culture, have mixed feelings about Vietnam. Yes. And we don't view it as this heroic effort anymore. No. It's kind of a cultural mistake. Yep. It's a mar on America's record. Yep. And so when we see, you know, this this alternate universe still has that that Vietnam. It does bring us to a spot where we feel that fear. We feel that that uh, that state of war that, that we, we get into as a culture. And I'll tell you one of the brilliant things they do in this novel is we win Vietnam in this novel. Mm-hmm.
1: Because of Dr. Manhattan, the god superhuman that we create, we win Vietnam. But it is still looked upon as one of our greatest tragedies.
0: Absolutely. Now, Dr. Manhattan, let's talk about what that is cool. and who he is. Dr. Manhattan is a man who... A kind, gentle man. Kind, gentle man. He's absolutely your classic old gentleman. I mean, the story of when he becomes a, uh, a Dr. Manhattan, it has a backstory of him taking his best girl to the carnival. Yep. And just doing that old, you know, getting some sodi pop. Two yep, straws, yep. one cup. Yep. You know, uh, don't confuse that with two girls, one <laughs> cup. There's no way to avoid that association. <laughs> but um, he, he goes from that to someone who is imbued with the power, who is essentially a god. And- he exists out of Time he can do anything, yep. and he's unstoppable. And he can manipulate and matter in and time, and he is in a way kind of the way Superman was. Yes. Um, I read this one comic; I forget whether it was Irredeemable or what's the other one. There's one with the supervillain. It's a parody of Superman. I think it's Irredeemable. Uh, yeah, that, where it's that, just about Superman. If instead of being American, he was just a dickhead. Mm-hmm. There's also the Superman that uh, landed in Russia. Yeah, that's and now Red he fights Sun. for Red Sun. Yeah, and he fights great, for Russian ideals. Yep, and that's interesting. And so we're lucky. As a culture that, um, as a country, Superman that Dr. Is Manhattan ours. Dr. is hours, because he doesn't really seem to have any notion of I'm doing this for America. He has no allegiance. He's just doing it because he's a guy who would do his job. He yep. has no allegiances and we're luckies on our side. Yep. But that also scares us. Yes. Because at any point he could just say the earth doesn't exist. Snap. Yep. And Dumb. that's his will. Yep. And it's uh, who it's that's a scary concept. It is, and it's one of the,
1: and we'll get into this as we get through the story. But it's one of the brilliant things that they do when adapting the movie Mm -hmm. is they bring to the forefront how frightening a concept Doctor Manhattan is. Mm -hmm. He's still sympathetic the whole way through, as he is in the book, but the book never makes him the villain, Mm -hmm. and that is an interesting thing that this adaptation does
0: that's something that's an interesting thing you don't see in a lot of movies i used to do a joke about this you'll see why i don't because it's not a funny joke but (laughs) it's a great concept it always bugged me um they they kind of touch on it in the book world war z Mm -hmm. one of the things that bugs me is let's say zombies happen Mm -hmm. and then we defeat the zombies Mm -hmm. that's the end of the movie yay we won yeah but they never show the next day where it's like shit we live in a world where that can happen, Yeah. where yeah, yeah. zombies are a real thing. Yeah. Uh, much in the same way, if I was Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, yeah. as soon as a giant rock monster attacked me, I'd be like, fuck the treasure. Yeah. I need to tell the world that rock monsters are a real thing <laughs> and they exist. Not only am I getting millions of dollars for it, but that's, that is that is that is primetime news right there. Yeah. And so this has that, where Dr. Manhattan isn't just something that we all take for granted. No. We are afraid of him. Yes. And in the same way, um, tell me if this is cheap, but nine uh, eleven when it happened mm-hmm. it affected everybody a different mm-hmm. way. It wasn't till much after the fact that it really hit me as like, oh shit, that's that is a, a hard thing to deal with, because it, it didn't have any association with me. It was just a thing that happened where I wasn't.
1: We were, and we were kids when that and happened we too. Kids, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it takes a little while for the gravity of something like that. To, but to my hit my you.
0: point is, when when something like that happens it takes a localization to make it real yeah. or it takes time. Yes. And yes. so if Dr. Manhattan existed in this world, there would be a certain uh, proclivity to just go, oh, you know, that's kind of a thing and just ignore it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it would be there and it would sit there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, post 9-11 is a completely different world because that seed is in all of our yes. guts. Yes, And yes. so they very palpably make, uh, you know, the, the the society feel that both in the comic and in the movie. You know, we we are afraid of Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. We're happy that he's on our side, mm-hmm. but are we better off if we didn't have him? Mm-hmm. And that's a question that's raised and not answered. No, that's yeah. one that we ask ourselves. Yeah. Uh,
1: and so you, the the I guess really what Dan and I are here to talk about uh, is adapting this crazy, dense, bizarre story about a an alternate history where heroes have existed for a long time, and we've grown tired of them. They're not we we as a as a culture have decided they're not helping. They're actually worse for us. These are, I, I think really the point the book makes is that these are psychopaths. Yeah. Um, that.
0: We always accuse Batman of like maybe, I mean there's always that in every Batman narrative yeah. there's been a, maybe you're the crazy one because right. you dress up as a bat and fight crime. Right. But here's a whole bunch of people that essentially are Batman. Yeah. You know, they're just people with skills. Yep. There's no superpowers. Yep. And, they, and they
1: just, they put costumes on and eventually the culture comes to believe that, oh, these are just like psychopaths. Like mm-hmm. they, they can't protect us mm. what can they protect us with they're just like us they're just wearing costumes
0: one thing i think is really interesting that they do too is they they almost uh in the same way that scream and uh like cabin in the woods said like listen we all know this about horror movies is something we accept and it's kind of stupid yeah they did that um it's a very pertinent moment and dollar bill is one of yes, the first yes, superheroes yes. and he dies because he worked for a bank yep. he was just a super uh, a super i keep saying superhero. He was just an uh, a Costumed here, a mask, a mask, a mask yep. if you will, that was hired by a bank partially to fight crime, but really just to be a face yep. because heroes were hip. Yep. And yep. his like cape placement. gets caught in a revolving door, yep. holds him back, and he gets shot to death yep. by robbers. And so in a world where we watch Batman and go, uh, his cape might get in the way, eh, whatever, it's Batman, he has a cape. They immediately nip that in the bud. Oh, yeah. And after that moment, culturally, every hero stops wearing a cape. Yep. Because they know that it is a, it is a hindrance to their Owl job. Night Owl still uses a cape, though. Night Owl still uses a cape, yeah. but then that also brings in the question of image. Yes. Um, whereas Dollar Bill did exist entirely yes. as image, yeah. Night Owl, you know, that is part of his image. Oh, but yeah. we do see Night Owl also, does use his cape. And also,
1: image is very important to Dan. It's extremely important. Because Dan is like a schlubby, hasn't done a whole lot with his life. No, we're not talking about me. We're no, talking no, no, about yes, Dan, yes. The, uh, the second I, and I wish Night I could Owl. Remember. Yeah, I wish I could remember his last name. Yeah. Um, uh, Dan, the second night owl. Yeah, you can look it up in the book. We pulled the comic book out so we could reference these things. Uh, Dan uh, is sort of a schlubby, hasn't done a whole lot with his life, although his history is he was a cop uh, who eventually put on a costume because he felt he could actually do more as a mask than he could as a cop. Uh, when we meet Dan in Watchmen, he's, he's sort of a look it up on my phone. A, There's too many pages. Yeah, a, uh, a schlubby older dude who hasn't done a whole lot, so image becomes very important to him. In fact, image is what sort of uh, rouses his sexuality again uh, in his middle age. He's sort of impotent when we meet him in the story, uh, but wearing the costume sort of
0: brings back uh, this sexuality for him. Uh, in the comic book, too, when he redons the costume, it yes. doesn't fit. No. He yes. has a big gut. Yep. He's just a guy who let it go a little bit. Yep. You know, he's still in good shape. He's still well trained. Yep. But he's he's a 45-year-old man yep. or whatever his age is. You know, yep. he's not a, a, So a the super, cost- superhero is like being in porn. You can only do it
1: for so long <laughs> exactly. before it's yeah. And so the costume is actually the image of the costume is very important to Dan and his character. So it makes sense that he would maintain a cape even after knowing that the cape could be a detriment to somebody. Um, but more, uh, I keep getting sidetracked by just loving this story and wanting to talk about this story. What's important to me about... Dan Dryberg. Dryberg, I knew, yeah. yes. I, I kept wanting to say Schimberg.
0: And uh, you know what? We should point this out, too. He's Night Owl, too. Yes. Um, that is a very cool thing that there are superhero legacies that, much like Duff Man on The Simpsons, yeah. Duff Man can never die. Only the actors who portray him is one of the quotes <laughs> from that and um, that is that is essentially what they do. Uh, Silk Specter and Night Owl yep. both retire and pass their image on. Yes. Yep. Um, spoiler alert: Dark Knight Rises. He passes the Batman yes. shell yes. on to Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yes. who plays himself. In <laughs> Dark Knight Rises. Who wouldn't want Joseph Gordon-Levitt to just don a costume and fight crime? <laughs> That's true. I'd, I'd I'd be down. I, I feel I yeah. <laughs> I had nothing better for that. Um, the, uh,
1: the, what I really want to talk about in regards to Watchmen, though, is the adaptation of Watchmen. Yes. I, I think that that is what's so interesting about it. it. It does seem like such a dense, unadaptable novel because there are so many things going on inside of it, so many s- plates spinning. Mm-hmm. And Zack Snyder really achieved something and, hilariously enough, achieved it in the theatrical cut more than he does in the expanded cuts that were Absolutely. released on DVD.
0: I will say the director's cut, not the full cut, the right. director's cut on the first DVD, which I ill-advisedly bought before the complete story came out. Yes. That is my favorite cut. Um it does have that night owl scene that we had yes. talked about yes. earlier. We'll get into that later. But um but really that's really the only difference. But the the full cut is is gratuitous and it's too much it's fan service and I'm glad it exists because that's the one I'm going to watch but if I'm going to show you the movie I'm going theatrical cut all the way
1: Yes, Uh, because the theatrical cut uh, excises things from it that are certainly interesting and certainly do help build the world and our understanding of what the story is supposed to be. But what it excises, it, it makes up for in its visualization. Absolutely. Which it's is less cinematic. What makes all it a movie cinematic. movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it visualizes a lot of the
0: information that it excises. It literally shows without telling. Yes. Whereas the comic book as a medium can get away with telling It has to do a little bit of both. It has to do a little bit of both and it should. Yes. Um because that's one of the things about about a uh, literary medium is yes. you can tell. Mm-hmm. But in movies we don't have time for that. No. Um, people will check their phone, people will leave the theater. It's not even that we don't have you time. You to keep it in. It's got a visual element. You exactly. don't you have need to use it.
1: To describe a clock on the wall to me, you can mm-hmm. show it to me and that takes 10 seconds of screen time that would have taken three minutes had you had a character explain absolutely. something i'm already looking
0: at now conversely i would say that Watchmen is easily one of the most cinematic books i've oh, ever read absolutely and which is so why i think fit. people
1: kept saying it was unadaptable because it's like what frame do you lose yeah exactly It's also cinematic what and do you it's lose also necessary yes. or so we
0: thought yes and um Zack Snyder has actually done really well with adaptations. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he adapted the best zombie movie ever. *Gone* of the Dead. To make probably one of the best yep. modern zombie movies ever. Yep. He adapted a comic book that a lot of people had heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly did not read until, before I, until right before I saw the yep. movie because you know I didn't really know. Yeah. And turned it into something, you know, you can say what you will about 300. But that movie, when it comes to being, that's a movie movie if it there ever was big, one. It is a big, spectacular Absolutely. adaptation. And that's a great Great comic book. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because uh, it's very cinematic on the page, yes. um, and Frank Miller's good at that. But then when you give Frank Miller a movie to shoot, The Spirit, it's oh, yeah. garbage. He can't do I know. It's garbage. So can't do it. So, Zack Snyder, for all his faults, yes. is a technically proficient yes. filmmaker.
1: And I will say, a lot of the things that annoy the shit out of people about his movies, the slow to fast motion cuts and things like that- speed ramping. Absolutely work in Watchmen. Yes. It totally makes sense for this world and really, really works, because- Part of what it's about is the joy these people find in heroism. Mm -hmm. So you do those speed ramping things, and it really brings out that sort of just like joyfulness of this, but
0: also it brings out the violence of it, like the real dramatic violence of that first fight scene with the the, uh, comedian? Yeah. There's so many literal bone crunches in that, but in that scene too, he uses the... um, um, if you've seen the movie, the opening scene is the the comedian gets killed. Yes, but he uses that speed ramping not only to add a a quick you know uh, narrative without using you know Paul Greengrass shaky cam. Yeah, it makes it smooth, but it also because it goes slow motion, you can look at it and go freeze. I remember that exact piece of art yep. from the comic book. Yep, without it being this is a comic book, yep. it still maintains its movie sensibility. But you look at it and. You know, um, if you look at Ang Lee's *The Hulk*, mm-hmm. one of the things that I really liked about it. Um that is the way out, it did the panels the on the screen exactly I loved it that. did literal panels now this is a step back from that where yep. it's not saying listen this is a comic right. book but it's definitely putting a wink and a nod towards it so that you feel like you're watching a, an active comic yeah but it doesn't feel hindered by it where you're like oh, i'm not into the comics. speed
1: ramping in this almost looks like a frame in motion yes which is really like kind of a beautiful thing when you're adapting a comic mm-hmm. you know what i mean you, you get to put these famous frames into motion and the speed ramping actually looks like a Frame in motion, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty impressive. Uh, so, but uh,
0: what? Oh, and I got to say this too. Yeah, the fight choreography is some of the best I've it's ever great. seen because it is big and bam, pow, sock the way that classic Adam West Batman yep. is. You know, when you have the freeze frame snicked mm-hmm. in any comic book, you see that as a freeze frame. You put the action yep. in your head. This has that, but it does it in a way that it's not cheesy, right? You know. Sure, it's not realistic, but I don't want it to be. No, this is a comic book. Yep, you know, and it's it's you know, oh, there's the my sex fantasy joke. If you've yes, heard it, yes. Um, one of the key things that this woman in my joke has to do when doing karate is wear heels. Yeah, because it's hot to me. But the Silk Spectre wears heels yes, and kicks the ass whole in thing. it, so yep. it doesn't make sense. But it almost seems as if. That's how she's trained. Yes. It yeah. works better for her. Yes. And so in that way there is a, a red pill of of uh you know, suspension of disbelief yep. that you have to swallow. But at the same time it's so visceral and it's so intense that you're like, Shit, there's real stakes on here. Yeah. And so it's it's all the fun of a comic book and all the darkness of a Chris Nolan Batman movie without fully subscribing to each and, and very elegantly so I'd say.
1: Yeah absolutely uh, And I think So I guess I think at this point I do want to get into Talking about like Specifically The big changes he made okay. and, and how that works In an adaptation Like why it works And, mm. and what works for us In that One of the I guess, Let's talk about the ending Okay. And, then, and then we'll jump back into some... Or do you want to start with some of the more like no, Black know, Freighter stuff? Let's talk
0: stuff. about this, because this is one of the biggest things that people who love the comic... It's so significant. ...either loved or hated. Yes. Now, as with every episode of Movie Movie, we Spoilers expect you abound. to have watched this already. Yes. And if you haven't, stop it, watch it, yeah. come back, you'll be better for it. It's uh, a great flick. I got to tell you, stop read
1: it, it, read the fucking book.
0: Absolutely. And then
1: watch the movie. And read it then three times, bastards. Yeah. Three times. You probably don't need to watch a movie three times. No, uh, but, <laughs> but I have. Yeah, and it's, I, it's I great. Have. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it every time. So the ending. All right. So let's talk about the ending in um, in the book. Okay. So this is. So here's the thing. This is. Let's talk about the ending in the book. We'll start here. So the book has a whole subplot about. An island.
0: Wait, wait. Before we go there, yeah. I think it's important that we frame it this way. Ozzy okay. Ozymandias is probably the most successful person to come out of the superhero era. Okay, yes. And he has gone from superhero to just the, the picture entrepreneur. Of, of success. He's an entrepreneur. He's the head. He's the CEO of a huge company. Everybody knows him. Everybody loves him. Everybody associates him with a brand you can trust. He
1: sells all kinds of products, action figures of himself. He sells fitness books. Mm. He sells... Perfumes. He sells all kinds of stuff.
0: And that's important because not only is he a hero, but unlike these other flawed heroes like Comedian and like Night yeah. Owl, you yeah. know, Comedian's a little bit of a drinker. He's a boozer. Yeah. He's a fucked up guy. This is a guy who's just perfect. He is the picture of the superhero he we want. absolutely took. He's the guy. He's the Bill Gates of the superhero world. He did it. He, yeah. he made it. He used it to his benefit, but he also lives it. Um, one of the things that was great in the book is there's uh, one of the in between pages that's not a comic book. It's just an advertisement for his workout plan. Yes, his workout and diet plan. Do you want to be strong like Ozymandias? Yeah. Do this workout, you'll be just like him. It's a Jack Lalanne thing pulled right out of the past, you know. Yep. And it's, and it's that kind of thing where we've bought into his image, but he seems like the Boy Scout. We, yeah. We we do agree with him, as it turns out, is he's been behind a large portion. Of this. He's Mm. been having uh, the heroes killed. He's been having them oft, and I'll let you take it from there. Well, it turns out
1: most of the companies that we've been talking about that he owns are actually shells for much scarier companies that are Mm. doing things like surveillance and are doing things like preparing bomb shelters for some inevitable thing that's going to come to pass that only he knows (laughs) about. I feel like if the Manhattan
0: Projects just revealed that he was in charge of everything, if you ever read the Manhattan Projects, that that would fit perfectly. Exactly. Uh, That's what it is. We all know what's going on, but there's more, you know, and and it's, it's a little shaky. So he,
1: in both the comic and the book, turns out to be the ultimate villain at the end because what Ozymandias does is he orchestrates the ultimate catastrophe to unite the world in peace.
0: And we should also say I can't believe we left this out. We are minutes to midnight, quote unquote. That's oh, the um, yes. that's the uh, the scale that the we use. The doomsday clock. The doomsday clock. Minutes to midnight. Um, how long before nuclear winter? Yes. Now we in the, the in the reality was, of the Watchmen, it is a an extended version of the Cold War because
1: the book was actually kind of written during the Cold yeah, War. Yeah, yeah,
0: And so there is this fear that at some point, you know, the the nukes are going to drop yep. and we're all fucked. Yep. And so, so uh, uh, the government is constantly
1: moving this minute hand on their doomsday clock closer to midnight. Closer to midnight. Closer and then to the midnight.
0: question rises too: Is Ozymandias, a does the end justify the means? Well, because that, I mean, he that, does have a noble pursuit. Yes, he wants to unify the entire world under a common threat. Yes, because the only way to make two enemies love each other is to give them a common enemy. Yes, or a common fear. Yes, and so that's what he's manufacturing. Yes, and so that the end of the comic
1: is that uh, Ozymandias manufactures a common threat for both the United States and Russia, or however you want to look for at the it, whole the world. rest of the world, to unite under in order to stop us from threatening each other with n- nuclear war and give us a threat that we all have to stand together against, which, as you said, noble pursuit. Mm. But in the pursuit of this, he's going to kill a bunch of masks and, more significantly, thousands if not millions of people. Absolutely. In order to make this threat real enough.
0: Now, the question is, and I've always wondered this, I have not ever come up with a reason as to why he's specifically killing the masks, short of the fact that even though they were a vanity project, he does indeed feel threatened by them. He does. I actually think specifically the comedian. is. Oh, who I was he- thinking specifically Rorschach, because Rorschach is a fucked up goddamn psychopath But the whole reason that he comes off that way is because he has a strict code that he absolutely, even in the face of death, will not break on, will not bend on.
1: Uh, I think, though, in the context of the book, his big threat is the comedian. Mm -hmm. That's why it opens with that, that he kills the comedian. That's true. The The comedian comedian is the first one to go. Because the comedian knows a lot of the history here that a lot, like Dan doesn't know. And Silk Spectre doesn't know.
0: and That's true. They're all, because they're figureheads, they're all a little duh about it. Right. Whereas the comedian, like he's been a you part wouldn't be of wouldn't surprised if he these, knew a little dirty well,
1: and he's also been part of all these darker government dealings that's true that none of the other ones have, have been
0: he would have been the first to go it's it's him yeah and I, now I can't think of Ozymandias name well
1: and uh, oh, oh Adrian Veidt
0: Adrian Veidt yes uh, and so the and the Adrian whole thing Veidt. is and I,
1: here's the thing I don't remember specifically what it is but Comedian also has a very specific piece of information about Adrian that nobody else has and Adrian knows he has it mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly. Exactly what it is. Oh, I do remember what it is, and it's what is not problematic in the movie, but is a little bit confusing because in the book it makes a lot more sense. The comedian discovers the island in the book.
0: That's what it is. So the
1: comedian knows very specifically that Vate now, is. Now tell us due- what the okay, uh, what so the island is because this in, is where I cut you off. So this is the book has some has a whole plot line in it that is excised from the movie. And it absolutely makes sense that it would be excised from the movie because and it's a shame because it's probably my oh, favorite part one of, of my the comic. Yeah, about the it's books. beautiful. Uh, here's the thing: it would require an extra half hour at least of storytelling, mm. which is why, of course, immediately you cut this if you're trying to tell the story on the screen. It makes a lot of sense that they cut it, but this is what happens in the book. Uh, Adrian is collecting uh, artists, scientists. Um, um, that, that's basically it. like famous artists and famous scientists from around the globe together on this uncharted island and he is what they're doing is the artists are designing what they would consider a very frightening looking creature and the scientists are reverse engineering what happened to Dr. Manhattan in order to make teleportation a reality. Mm-hmm. What they're going to do is design this huge alien creature
0: that is actually just a dead flimsy body. And the thing is that the it's so cool that they have the artists on it because it's their job to Basically, create something that immediately upon looking at it, we all go, That's from space. Yep. That's an alien invading yep. our world.
1: But it's just a dead, lifeless creature. There's nothing inside of it. It is ju- it's just flesh. It's just a dead, lifeless creature. And it looks sort of like a Cthulhu squid type thing.
0: Oh, it's great. It's a, uh, oh, it's beautiful. When I read that that wasn't going to be in the movie, I know. My first reaction was, Oh. I know. But. But. Yeah, yeah we'll, 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 we'll talk yeah. about the But. <laughs> So, they designed this, this
1: crazy-looking Cthulhu-like creature, and then they rever- the scientists reverse-engineer, please, what happened to uh, Dr. Manhattan, which is he, he has the ability to manipulate matter. So, if they can reverse-engineer that, they can move matter through space. So, the artists designed this big creature. The scientists reverse-engineer what happened to Dr. Manhattan. Effectively creating teleportation, but also creating uh, the teleportation. Basically, Dr. Manhattan, they describe as like some sort of psychic energy. And so if they can use that psychic energy to create teleportation, they can also use that psychic energy to create a psychic blast. And what essentially happens is that blast would instantly kill any brain within a certain mile radius. And it would also level... Uh, any matter It's a small scale nuke
0: It's a small scale nuke Their goal is to teleport this creature into the middle of a populated city so that the whole world will look and go shit an alien just appeared in I guess it's New York an alien just appeared in New York and a whole bunch of people are dead there are bigger things to deal with yep. than petty arms wars on Earth. Exactly.
1: And so it's it's this brilliant end of the novel because the island storyline happens throughout the whole story. Mm. And but it's one you of those don't things too, that you don't know. Yeah. You don't
0: know that Vate's the leader of it. You don't even know really what's happening there through most of the I story. Think my favorite part in the it, one of my favorite parts in the whole comic book is um and it's ah, it's so beautiful. There's an artist and a scientist that have a subplot on this island that they've met on this island. Yep. They've been there so long. I don't think they actually say how long, but no, we can but it's assume long it's time. years. Yep. And they've fallen in love and uh, they always sneak off to go do the dirty thing yep. and there's this awful <laughs> I moment love of you realization. called it the dirty thing Dude, on the, the show. Dirty thing. Yeah, it's great. When they go off to fuck each other's pussies and dicks, <laughs> they uh, they decide can to... Can you uh, fuck a dick? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a pussy.
1: Yeah, but... It doesn't fucking imply, like, some sort of insert... Uh, maybe well, to quote sexist. Chris O'Connor's joke, yeah. uh,
0: that's, that's a, a right that women don't have, is to call it, I fucked you. <laughs> <laughs> you just spread your head somebody because he hates that joke. Yeah, but um, uh, it's this beautiful thing where they're, they're making sweet fuck in the, uh, in the bottom of the ship that is taking them home from this island, and yes. they see a bomb yes. that is going to destroy everybody who has any knowledge of this project. And they realize it, and they it all comes flooding to them, like, "Oh shit, yeah, we know too much, yeah, but they have this great tender moment of let's just stay here and be together, yeah, boom." And as trite as that sounds, that I, I definitely had like a notebook moment. I oh, was yeah. like, ah, I, you know, that's what it takes. You got to kill some people and I'll go, oh. Yep. And so as a result of
1: this, this is where we get, I just want to bring this up to clarify a plot point we were talking about before. This is how Comedian becomes Vate's biggest problem. Mm. Comedian discovers the island on his own. He's on a ship that gets wrecked or something. I don't remember exactly how or a plane crashes or something and he washes up kind of on this island, sees what's happening, somehow makes it back to the States, but Vate also knows that he knows. Mm. He, he knows the comedian just discovered this whole plot, and the comedian has this information. But he also has the knowledge that comedian is the comedian. Mm.
0: Everything's a joke to him. So like he's, he's probably not going to reveal this information outright. Honestly, but- if I were to just guess, make conjecture, yeah. now, of course, this narrative doesn't exist, so I'm totally guessing. I'm willing to bet that the comedian knowing the ends actually probably would have felt the means were justified. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I, I think that, but at the same time, Ozymandias, Veidt, Adrian Vite is such a perfectionist He's cunning. He's that ruthless. he will not have a nope. single loose end at all.
1: So this is how masks are dying. If you remember, one of the first masks that dies is not even a mask. It's Moloch. Mm-hmm. And Moloch was an old villain of the masks.
0: Which We should talk about that. That's interesting that uh, much in the same way that... uh you know, you it could be argued that Batman created the Joker yes. in some way just by building the concept of let me put on a costume. Um Moloch is that. Yes. He was someone he was a magician that thought, Oh, I can be a character. The yep. evil magician yep. and then he becomes that and,
1: and they, they go over that. There's a bunch of that in, in The Watchmen, a bunch of these guys that become supervillains once the idea of superheroes come into existence. People that probably
0: would never have even gotten nope. into crime. Nope. That do it as a response and then we question you know our hero is good. Yes, and yeah. That's why they're illegal. First.
1: Yep. Uh, and so Moloch is one of the first guys that dies. And the reason Moloch dies, if you remember, is l- much later in the story. We find out that in a in a drunken binge, comedian breaks into Moloch's apartment, sits down on the end of his bed. Now, here's the reason you're looking at me like you don't totally remember this because they never actually show us the full extent of this yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. I remember the scene, but I, they I could only, not say what they talked about. They only show they all they show us is comedian going i knew it was a joke i always knew it was a joke but it's really a fucking joke oh, I yeah. didn't know it was this kind a, that's of joke And that's a great
0: scene in the movie too um, If we can take a second just to talk about how Brilliantly cast yeah. this movie is Oh my god Not only does everybody look like a picture yes. Of the character they're supposed yeah. to play But I think when it comes down to to who they are They really nailed it The only person that I thought the casting Betrayed the image of the comic Was Adrian Veidt himself yeah. Yeah. But at the same time he brought something to it That I think absolutely works and For sure. fits For sure um, Um, my old roommate, she, when we watch Watchmen, she immediately was like, I think he's the villain Mm -hmm. because he does, uh, what's his name? Matthew, Matthew uh, Matthew Good does play it kind of slimy. Oh yeah. But at the same time that fits to me because when I look at these guys who are billionaires and successful guys, look at Donald Trump. Yeah. He might be powder dry, but he's covered in slime. Oh Yeah. And I don't necessarily view him as vi- okay. I view him as villainous, but you know that like you don't look at a at a. Uh, I
1: will say that's that's an interesting complaint though, and I, I would actually agree with it. Is in the book, Vate seems truly good. He's too good. For he's like the Rock. While. He's perfect. And that's the thing, though. That's what should make him villainous is how good he actually oh, yeah. is. Whereas in the movie, he does play him kind
0: of slimy. But well, in the book, they really do make it that he lives the part of the of the hero. Mm-hmm. You know, if we found out that Superman fucked hookers. We would be a little put off by it, yes. But we don't. He's the blue boy scout. Right. We love it. He's right. flawless, and um, so that's that's what he represented. Now, yeah, he's a little bit sleeker. He does have a little bit of that eighties coked out businessman kind of feel to yes, him. Yes, he does. But it does work. And I, I actually have lately, especially post Stoker, yeah. become a little bit of Ooh, a Matthew I Good like fan. I like Matthew Good. Yeah, and and he he does. He has one look, but emotionally he has a lot of range, mm-hmm. and uh, he definitely. I, he definitely uh, fits in his own way. Oh, he does. Um, it's if I were to make a vague comparison, uh, I don't a, know if anyone big, saw a vague vague comparison. Yeah, a vague vague comparison. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw Jack Reacher with I did Tom not. Cruise. Um, great flip! It's flick. on Netflix right now. So much fun! I've watched it twice since <laughs> it's on Netflix. But I started reading the Jack Reacher novels, and Jack Reacher as a character is a six foot five jacked ass motherfucker. Yeah, Tom Cruise is a three foot one, <laughs> not jacked ass fifty year old man. But it works. And even the author of the book said, you know what? He brings something to it that without the physicality still fits. And I think that because this was written in, what, the early 80s, our modern day picture of success has a little sliminess Mm -hmm, to it. mm And whereas he seems like a golden boy, it wouldn't have worked nowadays. And I think even more so if he was just too perfect, the audience would go, he did it. Yeah. You know, and so I think it works like that. Yeah. So,
1: uh,. Okay, so cycling back a little bit. So you get that scene where where Comedian talks to Moloch and basically says, like, it is all a fucking joke. What's implied there is that he actually reveals all of the information about the island of Moloch. Yes. So now Moloch knows too much. So Vate kills Moloch. And now he knows Comedian knows too much because he's revealed the information to Moloch. And so now he needs to kill Comedian. And I think he kills a couple other masks in there, too. I forget exactly what happens, but I think there's a couple other that die in there. And it's because they do have information Mm -hmm. uh, about this thing. So you have this whole thing about this, this island and this alien they create. And at the end of the book, they release the alien. The alien does kill millions of people and levels a city, and it does, in fact, unite the world in peace. And so we are left with this brilliant ending of Do the Ends Justify the Means? One Just a, a brilliant story. A great ending. It's such a fun sci-fi
0: ending to this sci-fi but actually kind of real-world story. But it works in the book. Oh, it and totally I, works and in the book. This is something that was changed in the movie. And what's weird is is to me it would have worked in the movie because of the book. Yes. But as much as and we had this conversation earlier, it's a shame that especially in the superhero world, we start to view these movies not as whole movies. Yes. And a lot of filmmakers get away with making half movies because we accept it's it a as franchise. a franchise. But Watchmen, there is no franchise. No. And I can picture Joe moviegoer, who has not read the book, yep. seeing this giant squid Cthulhu yep. alien in New York and going, what? Yeah. And so as somebody well, with a mind for film, my first thought is that has to go. Yep. But that concept has to stay. Yes. And it has to be big and it has to be scary. And they do something in the comic book, and Ooh. I won't say what because I, I know you want to say it. Ooh. Um, they don't. Say, they don't say what, but they do something that to me – even if it happened in the book, mm-hmm. almost makes more sense. It,
1: uh, I will say it absolutely makes more sense. I actually love the ending to the movie Watchmen because mm. it's different than the book. Now, the thing about it is the only reason it wouldn't work on the screen is because it would require so much extra plot line. Absolutely. If you were able to give audiences all of the plot line of what happens on the island... You'd be totally fair game, I think to put that Cthulhu Absolutely. alien on the screen but and that's people would easily buy it.
0: another 45 minutes to a movie Absolutely. that's two two hours two and a half hours yeah, It's two and a half
1: hours long you you cannot afford another half hour story no, to, not at to all. make this ending work so let's think about it what do we have what what is the ending actually yeah what do we need what, what do we need it, it is some sort of being that is outside of our understanding and is far more powerful than we could ever imagine to be or face up
0: against killing millions. Wait, wait. That's more powerful than we could ever face up against if we were to remain separate. Yes. The whole idea is we need to have some sort of a threat that at least in some way, if everyone on the planet unified, we could feel a little more comfortable sure, about it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But it needs, to be,
1: it needs to be outside of ourselves— It needs to be a significant enough threat that millions could die because of it. and It needs to be something outside our understanding. Well, guess fucking what? That character already exists in Watchmen. You don't need to add a Cthulhu-like alien because Dr. Manhattan exists in the world of Watchmen. Mm. Dr. Manhattan is a godlike figure. He is a
0: god, he as we understand it, at least he in terms of mythology. He can manipulate
1: matter and time, which means, as you said before, he could snap his fingers and the Earth would cease to exist. That is how powerful he is, and he already exists in the story of Watchmen. Mm. So much so that the whole story of the alien is them trying to reverse-engineer what
0: happened to Dr. Manhattan.
1: Why? Dr. Manhattan Already exists in this universe. If
0: the if the whole island subplot wasn't so gorgeous, it would seem completely wasteful. Yep. Which is why, as a filmmaker, you'd be smart to go, "Let's cut this." Yep. And I that's and we can cut it because
1: everything that you need for that ending already exists in absolutely. the story. It's in dr Manhattan. elegant.
0: I never could have seen it coming. No. Um I knew that the like you know, as someone who follows the movie. I blogs knew they and weren't stuff, gonna do the squid. I knew they weren't gonna do the squid and I thought ah, what are they gonna do? They're gonna cop out or do something. Yep. But instead they did something they took an avenue that seems so obvious, yep. but not so obvious to the fact that a verified genius, Alan Moore, didn't yep. even see it, or at least chose not to go that exactly, avenue. Exactly, yeah. And, and rightfully so, because I think that the comic really does it oh, totally. in a great and way. and it really works in the comic, I think, Absolutely. for sure. But if they took this this ending for the movie and put it in the comic book, I think it would work equally well, oh, yeah, but it would just definitely take out a little bit of that meat from the it's, bones that we ma- like. It
1: makes more sense, mm-hmm. and it makes more sense because... You already have a whole storyline where he's like, "Fuck humanity! I don't understand it anymore. I've become too much of something else to even understand things like emotions and human interactions." Oh, interaction. he's just out of time. I have to go to Mars. Yep. I have to be away from them because I don't understand
0: them anymore. So, what? What? Let's let's describe what they actually substituted yes, yes, Um yes, yes. with Doctor Manhattan. They basically, and I'm trying to remember the specifics of how they did it. But basically, Veidt created the exact same kind of sonic, or whatever it is, burst, yep. that kills a lot of people in New York, but pins the blame on Dr. Manhattan. Yep. At the same time, there's a subplot where he has Dr. Manhattan convinced that he gives people cancer yes. just by being Which here, them. Which is from the
1: book. It's Which, not even like they made that up. Exactly. That happens in
0: the book. That's in the book, and it leads to this weird malaise that um, the last thing keeping Dr. Manhattan as a brother to humanity... Is that he does have his some small to personal woman. attachments. He he loves some people, and he specifically loves a woman. One of our masks. Yep. And um uh, and actually more specifically, a woman from his past. A who's woman not from a his mask. past exactly. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's about who that. he thinks he gives cancer, and he thinks he gave her cancer. So now he's at this point where he realizes.
1: Which, by the way, this is all part of the brilliance
0: of Vate. Vate yeah. is who gives them all cancer. Exactly. He and gives pins it cancer. on Manhattan. So Manhattan is actually totally innocent yep. here. But he's reached this, the the word is is malaise, he's reached this this level of ennui where he just does not feel any sort of brotherhood to man. Nope. He feels superior to them, almost woefully so, and now suddenly, he's had this huge disaster pinned on him. Yep. So he says, I'm out of here. Yeah. And so by having this man on Mars, or wherever he chooses to go in the universe, that can literally do anything, Veidt has done something that, that would actually fix the world. Yes. He created an actual, tangible God yep. that every person, regardless of faith, can agree exists. And will f- and fear. most of the problems on our planet, if I can get real for a second, result from people who disagree on fundamental truths. Yes. Such as who their God is, yes. what they believe yes. is the yes. meaning yes. of life. Yes. And now we all have this one fear. The big blue man with yep. the giant IMAX dick that lives on <laughs> Mars can and will kill us at his own will. So we had, at our very best, at least get along with one another. Yep. And when Dr. Manhattan sees what Vite's plan is, he realizes not only, And in the comic book, when it's not him being you know, exiled yeah. or blamed, he still realizes, at least in his limited understanding... Um, and I say limited because since he knows so much, he's detached from emotion. Yes, yes exactly. He real in his eyes, the ends do justify the means, yes. but in the comic book, whether he feels that or not as, I mean, in the movie, whether he feels that or not is irrelevant because he's been vilified and he's out. Yeah. And now he is officially and unequivocally, unequivocally an ad hoc God. Yep. And in doing that, he has created what is essentially a world religion. Mm-hmm. We all know blue man exists and he can kill us. Yep. We better get along. uh. It's, it's 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 a brilliant ending elegant. it really is
1: it, it, it's beautiful I can't believe it's not the ending to the book yeah, yeah like when I saw the movie I was like that might be a better ending than the book not better but it makes more sense for the exactly. information that's already in the story it's an
0: even trade and this is exactly what we're talking about it's an even trade in the book because it adds a subplot that is worth having absolutely but when you take it out for the movie it makes it more cinematic yes. so in a filmic form there's Absolutely more to it. Yes, because it does tie up, and this is Vite's mission with killing all the masses. He's covering all loose ends, yeah. and the movie leaves none. Yes, none.
1: To uh, so to to dovetail this uh, into more talk about adaptation, because to me that is a a brilliant move in adaptation. It is so rare we see a a, a book adapted to film where the film actually succeeds somewhere where the book didn't fail but it maybe improves upon what the book did. Let's it's very rare we let's see Let's reference
0: that. Our, our Shining episode. Yeah, we absolutely. We talked about The Shining, whereas The Shining book is an absolute perfect book for yes. Stephen King. But if you were to film it all, no. it's too much. Too there's much. too much there. Yep. And I think with Stephen King adaptations, there's a lot of that. Either it's a oh, yeah. short story that they stretch out to a movie and there's not enough to fill it, yep. or it's an epic, biblical account of some horrific thing That they try and cram down into two hours and it doesn't work. And so he's the only one that's really successfully done it. Kubrick did it. Yeah. I I would actually submit that 1408 was extended into a large thing. Pretty good, actually. And The Mist existed as a novella, which is movie length. So we're going to leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Also, that
1: movie is better than the book.
0: Yeah, I would I would actually agree with that. Yep. And uh, Stephen King agrees that that ending with the, no, yeah. is something that he was like, I didn't have the balls for oh, that, but I love epic. it. It's epic. I've yeah. disagreed with people for years. I would like that. to do that as a movie, Movie actually. All right, next episode. Great. We should rewatch that in black and white. Too. Oh, I would love I have to. I've have never seen cut. it in the black and white cut. It's perfect. Oh, it makes I it want go from it. a 70s yeah. monster movie to a 50s yeah. creature feature. Boom. But we're talking about that. <laughs> No, but I mean that that does that does apply because when it comes to adaptation, you have to figure out what mood you want your movie yes, to feel, yes. and is it going to be congruent with the book? Isn't it going to be congruent with the book? Yep. We don't know, and you have to set out making that movie with that lens from the beginning. Yes, you can't just half-ass it. So credit to the scriptwriter. I, I want to look up who. Oh, that is. it's
1: um, it's uh, oh fuck, what's his name? David something. Um, I actually know who wrote this because. I've listened to a lot of interviews with him, and, and he said this was one, like a big struggle for him, actually. David Hayter yes. and
0: Alex Tsai.
1: Yes, and to be fair, they're not even the actual writers of this. They're who did the last pass on the script.
0: Yeah, which had been through 20, 20 ton years of, of development. This, this,
1: this script had been through a ton of writers. And
0: I said this to you on the way over here. We live in a world where a, f- a motherfucking Wolverine movie should be cake easy and we can't do it there's so much source material so to pull from and make a good one yeah exactly and and with wolverine there's a hundred stories that you can just distill into one great story oh, yeah
1: honestly all you have to do is fucking nail that character yeah
0: and you could tell a good wolverine story. and they haven't done it no. yet and and you know no slight to hugh jackman he's great but mm. they just didn't the scripts haven't been tight enough
1: the best wolverine stories were in x-men and x-men 2 Absolutely. and they were not wolverine movies
0: not at all and um then, whereas you have uh, and to to talk to talk about my buddy's father who gave me Watchmen, yeah, yeah. his big problem with Batman was that it didn't adhere to any comic book. But uh, with uh, Dark Knight Rises, yeah, or, sorry, Dark Knight is it didn't adhere to any one comic book. And I said, well, that's because they were fishing from yeah. fifty years of source material yeah. to tell a great. With Crime Watchmen, story. there is one source yep, material, yep, yep. and so, so you we can live in a world where fucking fuck it up or do it right. And it should have been completely fucked up. Yeah. When you read the stories of oh. what they were gonna do oh, with yeah, Watchmen, yeah, 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 yeah. it's appalling. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no way in a world where we should have a Wolverine movie and we can't help but just jack off on it. <laughs> this should have been impossible, and yeah. they made it close to perfect it's, I mean there are flaws but they're barely worth noting this is
1: as good of a Watchmen movie per, I, I feel it's like the best as adaptation we're, gonna we're ever going to get, gonna get. Wherever, this is the best version of Watchmen we're ever going to get however there are some things I would like to talk about in adaptation that I actually think went south for this movie Okay. However, I'd like to but this. they're not in the theatrical cut which is why I said before, theatrical cut. Watch the theatrical cut. It actually Absolutely. turns out to be the best version Actually, watch version the of director's of the cut. I think the director's cut right. the, the best version. Cut, yeah, because it it's does the, it does, include, at the box here, it does include it does include a couple of extra scenes that are worth watching. Very specific, complete
0: story you want to avoid until you've read the comic book.
1: Yes, uh, yes. Um, but the director's cut does it, it especially includes one scene with the original Night Owl that is just brilliantly filmed. Really, really great filmmaking. Really great visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, However, there is something called the complete cut. And the complete cut was uh so in preparation for Watchmen, one of the things they did was so w- we mentioned it a little bit before in in the comic Watchmen, there is a comic book within this comic book. So in the world of Watchmen, okay? We we uh just like in our world in the 40s and 50s, there were a lot of superhero comics and we all loved them. And so eventually that creates people putting on costumes to go fight crime. But once that happens, the general public stops caring about superhero comics because they have them in real life. So comic books shift from superhero comics to things like pirate comic books. Mm-hmm. That becomes the big fad. Whereas Which are R- all rated
0: R. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. Peace. Wow. Uh, we gotta go. And uh, that's thank our you for show. <laughs>
1: The um, Gerard. <laughs> <me>. <laughs> oh my god, uh, that was kind of brilliant. Uh, the yeah, uh, uh yeah. the, so we, we live in a world now where, where superheroes are passe, pirates are in, right? So there's a comic book within the comic book of
0: Watchmen, uh, called it's funny because right now, like some of our biggest franchises are superheroes and pirates. <laughs> I know that's true, <laughs> that's true. Uh, so they, uh, there's a comic book called the
1: Black Freighter. Uh, which a character, a very minor character within Watchmen, is reading throughout Watchmen. And so every once in a while, within the comic book of Watchmen, we jump into the comic book of the Black Freighter. Mm. And so as the guy who's reading the Black Freighter is reading it, we get panels of Watchmen where he's discussing what he's reading with someone else or the story of the heroes that we're, you know, the masks that we're interested in, their story is happening, intercut with panels of the Black Freighter. When these things are intercut together, what happens in the Black Freighter becomes a parallel to the story we're reading in Watchmen. And it's a brilliant parallel. It actually illustrates things about these characters that we wouldn't have known otherwise because we get this sort of emotional backstory for them through the Black Freighter. Brilliant storytelling,
0: but very complex, layered storytelling. Absolutely. And you know what? It's actually, in the comic book, it works kind of nicely. Oh, it works great. Because it's a great break. Yes. Because they really do throw a lot of information yes, at you. Yes, they do. Um, both visually, and, and that's one of the things why I always submit that you should read it three, yes. four, five times, is that there's even just small things that pop up in the background of a frame that have huge, huge ramifications that you know you don't need to notice, but when you do, it's richer for it. Oh, yeah. So when you're reading this the second, third, fourth time around, the Black Freighter things are almost a moment of like ah <sighs> uh-huh. and it's where they can do the literal tell don't show, but without telling, because they are showing. Yes. It's, it's it's the weirdest cheat in the world, but it's not a cheat because it adds depth.
1: And the Black Freighter on its own is a great brilliant story. Oh, it's a great like, story. It's very much it a Twilight Zone episode. It's really good.
0: It plays to me very much yes. like an old Twilight Absolutely. Zone
1: episode. Uh so in advance of Watchmen, one of the things they did was they made an animated movie called The Black Freighter to sort of promote Watchmen coming out. Mm. Uh, Gerard Butler, as
0: you made the, brilliant Which I got to say, joke. from a marketing perspective, is and that wasn't brilliant. That was stupid. Uh, my my joke. <laughs> um, from a marketing perspective, that's bold and strange. And totally. so when they dropped that out, like no, people who watched Watchmen immediately saw that and said, ooh, another superhero movie. Yeah. And people who thought that didn't like the movie. So to see this piece of pre-release press to come yeah. – or pre-release media to come out – is very strange. It, was it caters only to the fans, but yeah. it's not like it was some cheap hokey thing. No, it's, it's a, like a very really well, well
1: animated, voice acted by Gerard Butler piece. It's great
0: actually, and on its own, I've actually watched it a own, few times. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Uh, t- I totally recommend
1: watching the Black Freighter on its own. It's it's done in like an anime style. It's re- but it's not like an anime story, so it's really interesting. Uh, it- it's great. However, in the ultimate cut of Watchmen, they tried to achieve what is achieved in the book Watchmen. By paralleling the two together.
0: Now, I think, though, the ultimate cut definitely existed after the fact. Yes. And they just said. Oh, no, no, no. Zack Snyder did not make the ultimate cut. Yeah, say it's not like they made the ultimate cut and cut it down to no. the theatrical no, 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 cut. No, 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 no. I think the director's cut is what existed. Yes. They cut it to the theatrical cut, which is very minor, but yes. I would say go director's cut. And yep. then for the DVD, um, assembled it. Uh, Peter Jackson has a great quote um, back before he started just, you know, crapping out Hobbit movies. Yeah. When he was doing Lord of the Rings, he said. I don't believe in anything but the theatrical cut. Mm. I do believe that we should be allowed to have directors cut DVDs. Mm -hmm. And essentially he was saying, what you see in the theater is the movie. Yes. Anything else is just bells and whistles, yep, which is yep, great. Yep. And so when it comes down to it, you know, it is bells and whistles. And if you're the, if you're the audience for it, you'll appreciate sure. it. But when it comes down to lean, mean, cinematic, no fat on it, you don't want this. I'll
1: tell you what, though. Even if you're the audience for The Ultimate Cut, I don't think you'll like The it's Ultimate Cut. It's a chore. It's close to three and a half th- hours long. And this is what I want to talk about, is in adaptation. Because what happens is, what they do is they try and go, okay, so in Watchmen it worked really great to intercut uh, the Black Freighter with the Watchman storyline. Yeah, I mean,
0: 215 minutes is Un- the cut on the Ultimate unreal. Cut. That unreal. Is, that's uh, longer than Wolf of Wall Street. That's three hours and 35 minutes. Yep. Uh,
1: and it's because it includes not just the director's cut, but there's even a couple scenes in there that are not from the director's cut, mm-hmm. like filmed scenes uh, beyond the director's cut. But there's also then... Like a a 45-minute animated movie cut in between. Mm. And unfortunately, so it works in the book because it's like panel by panel. It's like Watchmen panel, Black Freighter panel. Watchmen panel, relief. Black Freighter panel. Watchmen panel, Black Freighter panel. So because of that, the parallels they're trying to draw to the story are extremely apparent. The panels all exist together on one page.
0: You can't do that with an animation.
1: no. Right? And so what they do is they go, here's a scene from Watchmen, cut to black. Here's a five-minute segment of the Black Freighter, cut to black. Here's some more scenes from Watchmen, cut to black. Here's five minutes of the Black Freighter, cut to black. The parallel is so unclear, it just slows down any pacing the movie has at all. It does not parallel the story in any way. It is unbelievably frustrating to watch. And it calls into question, what do we do when we adapt these things? What do we cut out? What do we include? As brilliant as the Black Freighter is as its own story, as much more brilliant it is as a parallel to what's happening in the story of Watchmen, it absolutely must be excised from Watchmen when telling absolutely. it on the pacing screen. Pacing is so important. Pacing um, is so important. We talk about movie movies. And here's the thing. That's a key to movie movies is proper pacing. And pacing is important to both movies and books. Absolutely. But pacing in books is very different oh, from pacing in movies. Entirely. It's a
0: totally different beast. You can watch, um, if if uh, if I were to relate another movie again, um, Tarantino's last movie with his longtime editor, Sally Menke, yes. was *Inglorious Bastards. Yes. And that is a long, long, yes. big, dense movie, but it's lean. There's absolutely not an ounce of that that doesn't fit. Now, she passed away. She passed. So that's an inside joke to Scott if he listens. She passed, and um, <laughs> you just an inside joke to one person. No he's one gonna, even he, he listens talking to the about. show. Yeah, she passed from blueberries disease. That's an inside joke for you. And um, but anywho, she passed, and um, he took on for Django Unchained the editor from Fast Five. I know now. Django Unchained. Could have been Tarantino's masterpiece. Yes. Now, granted, my favorite Tarantino movie is Pulp Fiction, but his Mike objective best, hands down, is Inglourious Bastards. Yes. Now, Django, I think, could very well yes. have given Inglourious Bastards a run for its money. Yes. But. With a different editor, it's a little more bombastic. It's a little Mm -hmm. less restrained, Mm -hmm. and that goes to the editor. Now, it does work, and as a huge fan of Fast Five, I can see where these big bursts, these big moments happen throughout the narrative. But with Sally Mankow on there, you wonder how different the movie would be. Yeah. So the editor on Watchmen had a huge task. Now, granted, like we said, he didn't edit out the uh, Black Freighter thing. Right. But the movie that he edited oh. doesn't leave room for the Black Freighter. No, for sure. So when you add that in, it does fuck up the pacing because it was never intended to be there. Right, yes. Um, if I were to make a suggestion, it would be to watch Watchmen, read Watchmen, and then a couple months later, watch the Black Freighter. Yeah, you'll enjoy and it. And then you'll go, oh, I get that. Uh-huh. And you'll see, and you know, honestly, if you just like the comic book, it's a great way to see oh, this for cool sure. mini story animated. For sure. Like I said, it plays like a Twilight Zone. It's, yeah. It's yeah. cool stuff. Yeah. But you forget about the editor. And um one of the hardest things when you're a filmmaker, especially one that's as bombastic and excessive as Zack Snyder, you need a good editor. Yeah. You need someone. Um last summer I got to be in a play and I've <laughs> never acted before. And one of the tips that the director gave to me was go big. Go as big as you can, and if it's too much, we'll rein you in. Yeah. He said, don't ever undersell it. Go huge, and then we'll rein you in. And yeah. I think of that as the editor's job is go big. Go as big as you possibly yep. can, and I'll cut out what's too yep. much. Yep. And so this editor is is a genius. Oh, yeah. And so I've pulled up this editor's filmography, and it's funny because it's it's not that good. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, what's weird is uh, I'll give you a couple of, a couple of hits up here. Who, who is the editor? Um, his name is William Hoy. Okay. And um – he started around 1987 with No Way Out. Now we look at Dances with Wolves in 1990. Okay. He did that. That's a movie that is very long, very excessive. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, I like it. I'm mm-hmm. a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it recently enough to comment. Then we have Star Trek VI: The Undiscovered Country. Whoa, that's an e- that's an even numbered Star Trek. Yep. So it is considered a good one. I have not seen it, so I can't comment. Then we have Patriot Games from nineteen ninety two. Patriot Games is a Jack Ryan yep. thriller, which is actually being rebooted yep, now yep, with Chris yep. Pine. That's w- a great was movie. Was that the Affleck one? No, that was some of all fears. Patriot oh, Games right, right. was uh, that, and Clear and Present Danger were Harrison Ford. Ford. Yeah, and that's actually a great movie. Yeah, and one of the things about it is that when it comes to shot composition, it's very economical. Mm-hmm. Um, every ounce of it counts, you know, towards something else. We've got Outbreak. Um, I never saw that Is that the one With Matthew Broderick and No no outbreak? Outbreak's got Cuba Gooding Jr. And uh, Dustin Hoffman
1: Which one am I thinking of? Project X Or something like that Where there's like A monkey outbreak Of some kind
0: Project X is the Found footage party No no movie no, no. I think there's year. another one Called Project X Wait I'm what was the uh, Who was in it Matthew Broderick I think I'm not sure. It's probably yeah. Project X. We'll look it up. But then we look at things like uh, and and it's strange to me because Outbreak. That's a movie that could have been really good, but it definitely suffered from trying to be a blockbuster. Sure. Man in the Iron Mask. Oh, great wow. flick. Yeah. But that is definitely a movie that has a little bit of fat on oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. Bone Collector. Another one. Could I like have been. That a, movie. I like that movie too, yeah. but it could have been more economical. Yeah. But then we get up here iRobot, and I know you're a big Alex Proyas fan. I am, and that's one I haven't seen of his. Oh, you really haven't seen it? Yeah, I haven't seen it. iRobot's pretty good, but once again, it fat. falls into the blockbuster category, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it has a little bit of fat on it. Um, then he did Fantastic Four. The original Fantastic one? Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Oh, no, not not the other one, which I'm an apologetic fan of because I don't fucking care. Yeah. And 300. Okay. Now, that's obviously where he crossed with yeah. Zack Snyder. Now, that is a movie that I would say is absolutely economical no with the shots. There's no fat no. on that. Whether it's a good movie, whether it's, it's sure. chauvinistic sure, or not, sure, is sure. for you to decide. Sure, but sure. when it comes to shot composition, oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. it comes to the narrative, totally economical. economical yeah. Now, check this out. This is where it gets interesting. 2007 was Fantastic Four 2. Um, Fantastic Four plus two, Fantastic Six. <laughs> um, 2009 is Watchmen. Okay. This is clearly William Hoy at the height of his game. Yep. This is economical. Yep. Now, his last credit. Is this is After Watchmen? After Watchmen. It's the only credit After Watchmen, and it's his last one. Think about it. Can you guess? Man of Steel? Sucker Punch. Whoa! And now that is interesting to me because Sucker Punch is one of those movies that went through a lot of editing. Uh-huh. A lot of, It's Zack Snyder, same director. This uh-huh. was his passion project. Uh-huh. This is what proved to the world that he's no good at originals. He can uh-huh. only do adaptations. Uh-huh. This was originally a rock and roll musical. Did it really start that way? Yes. That makes sense. Starring Lewin Davis, Oscar Isaac, doing a musical number that you can find online, which is phenomenal from Inside Lewin Davis. And He's it's not in, it. in the movie? Not in the movie. The closing credits have most of the songs in it, but it was a musical. It was an IMAX 3D musical. It all gets whittled down via editing and producer input to what it was, which was an absolutely visually beautiful complete fucking mess yeah and so wow you that, wonder I, I mean, as be his last with you. credit as an editor you wonder what that says that makes me interested to
1: see what Snyder's original vision for that was It doesn't exist I did not like that movie like I didn't either like, and I wanted to did not like that movie and I really wanted to like it because I saw the trailer for a bunch, and I was like not even beautiful but just like what somebody made a movie about all of the things I love Giant samurais with swords and hot chicks oh, yeah. with machine guns and all of the cool shit. Giant that robot samurais existed. with laser swords. I want to see all of this. And then it was think.
0: a really chauvinistic, horrible piece of shit. It was shit. a wet fart. It yeah. was just a turd. It didn't. It didn't work. And that's the, that's a shame about it because it had all the pieces. Yeah, and that there, therein lies uh, pro, uh, producer input and script. If you don't have good producer input and a good script and a good editor. You're screwed. Yeah. That movie could have, and probably all of the footage exists to make that movie damned awesome. I would
1: see the rock and roll musical version of that.
0: Absolutely. And that that whole rock that and roll That actually makes thing a fuck lot more sense than what I saw. Makes a lot more sense. And there there was a whole bunch of ethical quandaries about what it said about women. There was a whole bunch of this and that. It turned out not to be an IMAX 3D. Right. And it's easily one of the most visually stunning movies I've oh, yeah, yeah, ever yeah. seen. Yeah. But it's crap. Yeah. And- um. So, so I, ask, I ask, you know, what is that? And so the, the, the whole point of this whole tirade I've been on is the editor for Watchmen did a fantastic job. But his job was made easier by the fact that Watchmen the comic is so goddamn cinematic that his job, I'm not going to say it was easy. Those concessions he had to make were were definitely difficult. Oh yeah. But the layout was there. Oh yeah. And so when we look at adaptations generally, it's never about it's never about the bells and whistles that you attach you attach to it. It's always about the script or in our case the comic book. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about The Shining, yeah, Kubrick made a much better story than Stephen King Fuck did. Yeah. But he could not have done it. No, without, without that groundwork. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it makes me wonder, we're gonna do an episode on adaptation. Yep. I would love to read the orchid <laughs> thief. And
1: by adaptation we mean literally the movie yeah, adaptation. Yeah, the movie adaptation with But Nicholas specifically because we want to talk about adaptation again within exactly. the context of the movie. But think about adaptation, it. which is all about what adaptation does that book have? And adapting a book to a movie for adaptation purposes, and
0: then also a guy's life Okay, go ahead. It'll be our most <laughs> meta meta episode <laughs> ever. I love it. But you gotta think, what is that orchid thief? that that book right. that he base, what is that groundwork where was it oh you know? i know
1: i actually really want to read that book yeah, Watching that movie really
0: makes me we shouldn't talk about this we're no, a,
1: no no a movie, we should movie, use this honestly.
0: as an opportunity for me to pee
1: yeah oh that sounds great actually instead of an opportunity for you to pee i mean we should we could probably wrap this up i think i think we've nailed i mean do you feel like i feel like we've nailed uh, um, most of what i want to talk about with watchman
0: i uh you know what i actually do agree i do agree um I still submit that I'd like to pee before making my closing statement because all I can think about right now is how bad I have to pee. Oh, that's
1: okay. It's going to make your closing statement even better. Ready? Okay. okay. Here we go. Uh, so, we uh, adaptation, uh, Watchmen. I think that Watchmen, it, I, I loved this movie. It is the best version we're ever going to get of the story on the screen, I think. For, for sure, 100%. It is, uh, it is a brilliant exercise in adaptation. Uh, the fact that they were able to turn this extremely dense book into something that works on the screen is unreal. The fact that they came up with an ending that makes more sense than the ending in the book is unbelievable. It's so cool. Uh, I highly recommend this movie. I highly recommend this book. Please read this book, watch this movie, and then come listen to this episode now that we're at the end of it. Do that. Uh, and uh, that, that, that's my closing statements. What do you got?
0: Um, I, I feel like I've already made my closing statement, and that's I have to pee. Okay. Fair. No, um, no my, my closing statement, I, I kid, of course. Is that uh, one, of, one of the toughest things to do, be it with a movie that you're making, be it with a song that you're writing, be it with a joke that you're crafting, yes. is you have to figure out what don't we need. Yes. And that's one of the hardest the things fat. to do because when you create something, you love it. You know, it's, it's a baby and you want to send it off. You want it to go to college. You want it to run its own business. You want it to do that stuff. And you don't know if that's going to happen. And so one of the toughest things to do is cut out the things that you don't need. Um, and i think that they did a great job with watchmen because whereas every ounce of that book is valuable not every ounce of it is cinematic um it's it's the same thing if i write a poem and someone wants to put music to it some of those words have to go but it's going to make the song better some of the pieces of watchmen the book that are it's perfect it really is perfect But some of it has to go to make a better movie, to Mm -hmm. make a movie Mm -hmm. movie. Mm -hmm. And if you have a movie that is a slave to its source material, it's not going to work. If you have a movie that ignores its source material, it's not going to work. So you have to reach this perfect symbiosis. And like I said, in a world where that symbiosis isn't reached, it should never have happened in the case of Watchmen. And I submit that it absolutely did. Yes. And whereas, yeah, there are some problems with the movie. I can't pinpoint one right now. Right. Because it is the best possible adaptation of that story ever. Uh, In the press for the movie. They, uh, there was a couple of reviews that referred to it, quote unquote, as the godfather of superhero movies. And I think that that's absolutely apropos. For sure. Because if you ever read The Godfather, the book, it is the most excessive. It's a good book. Oh, yeah. But it is so excessive. Yeah. And there's so much going on in it that simply doesn't need to happen. Yeah. It makes the book richer. But when you watch that movie, if you're going to tell me The Godfather isn't perfect, you should stop listening to the show, unsubscribe, and go fuck yourself until you <laughs> die. Because it's The Godfather. Yeah. And so, whereas, yeah, this might not go down. It's the godfather of godfathers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And so, when it comes down to it, Watchmen is a perfect picture of adaptation because they made the right cuts. They used the right visual flourishes. They kept it true to the comic book but did not deny the fact that it was absolutely a movie. And it was absolutely a movie movie. And at the end of the day, what I say at the end of every episode is, was it entertaining? And the answer is absolutely yes.
1: Yep. Now, because you have to pee, I'm going to tell this story uh, because you were talking about- I, I
0: got on a rant and I totally forgot I have to pee.
1: Excellent. Well, I'm just going to keep reminding you as I tell this
0: part of the story because you have to pee. Uh, I'm going to keep sipping my beverage so that I have to pee oh, more urgently. Perfect.
1: Uh, So you were talking about editing And and why you just need to cut some stuff To get to to the better story Uh, Kevin Smith uh, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith I listen to his podcast all the time He tells a story about He did not like working with Bruce Willis On uh, Cop Out Had a very difficult time with Bruce Willis What are you talking about? (laughs) And one of the things that he said Was difficult about him But I always find a very interesting tidbit of knowledge Is he would come to set late every day apparently And Kevin would be like Hey we have a lot of stuff to shoot Like why are you late? And he would be like Kevin we're shooting four pages today. Two of them are Chuffa.
0: <laughs> I never heard this story. He would go, Chuffa? He would go,
1: what? That's what he said. He would go, what's Chuffa? And he'd go, Chuffa, Kevin, you got all this flowery language in here, all this stuff. We don't need it. It's Chuffa. It doesn't do anything for the story. It's Chuffa. Just get rid of it. And you listen to Bruce d- Willis. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to yeah. use Chuffa all the time yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. And you know what? He's... He's right. I didn't see Cop Out. I would actually like to. The whole it's, idea—it's actually of, very uh, entertaining. Tracy Morgan and Bruce Willis. I it, could watch them in a room. It's for, very You know, ten hours if yeah. I wanted to. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's weird because in the case of Watchmen, it's not chuffa, but cinematically, it right. absolutely it, exactly. Is. It's, cinem- it absolutely it's is. cinematic chuffa. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. No, that's and no. I think you're right. It, it's it you're is absolutely right. Yeah. We should. I'm tweeting that. That's <laughs> a, if we're gonna make this show last, we gotta coin some terms. Yeah. Cinematic, cinematic chuffa. Cinematic chuffa. Helped into print by the. Late, great Bruce Willis. He's not late. He's still alive, but I mean, after Die Hard 5, who are we kidding? He should be dead. Also, this podcast will hopefully
1: exist in perpetuity. It is just a digital record, so eventually that statement will just be true. That's true. That's very true, and I
0: love perpetuity. That's that's a great word. (laughs) Very nice. Well, for this Um, week... We should also do, just in keeping with the form, uh, give me a recommendation. What have you seen recently oh. that, the, that the the crowd should see? Probably
1: the same fucking thing you've seen that the crowd say, should see. I know see. we're
0: both going to talk about her, so I actually have another one okay, on great. deck. So, so I'll just go talk her. About her. I'll go her. Uh, I, I will say this as a caveat. If you're going to make a best of 2013 list, wait until after you yes, see her. Because I was uh, wholeheartedly agree. I will definitely add this caveat. Uh, you can you can thank her for this, but yes. Man of Steel, which sits at 15, got bumped.
1: Fuck Yes!
0: Because Inside Lewin Davis is still number one for me. Oh wow. Twelve Years a Slave is still number two. Wow. But Wolf of Wall Street got bumped back to four because her was a goddamned masterpiece.
1: I would say I liked her better than Inside Lewin Davis myself. Fair enough. Actually. And you
0: know what I, I I honestly could absolutely defend that point. Yeah. Um, her is just a
1: wonderful fucking experience at the movies. It's a beautiful story. It's funnier than I expected, while still being extremely poignant. Mm. Um, and
0: relevant very relevant very poignant the performances are astounding absolutely Mm -hmm. and they create a strange futuristic world completely through show don't tell be it mustaches and high pants or just the technology They create
1: a futuristic world that I thought was brilliant. And we'll, we'll, maybe we'll do an episode about it eventually. Everything
0: but in that movie was the logical ending of all technology that exists yes. now. Yes. It just seemed so... What I loved about it
1: was they didn't make any of it negative. Yep. We've seen this movie before. This is not an original concept. We've seen it before, but we've only ever have seen we? it... Have <laughs> we? We have. We've only ever seen it in the context of... The computer will turn and become evil, or this that's is a true. bad thing. This guy is a crazy person. This movie never makes those assumptions. This movie treats it all very positively. This is just there's no way judgment of any character. We are moving as humanity, and we just need to see what that means. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, and it's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's beautiful, and even though that's what it's about, it absolutely is a poignant story about who we are as people. Even though, even though there's a computer at the center of it, it's a poignant story about who we are as people. I don't yeah, think I could say more. I loved it.
0: I think you nailed it. That's exactly how I feel about it. it it's perfect. Yep. And the fact that Spike Jones, the little old lady, and all of the old man <laughs> jackass bits, the director of Sabotage, <laughs> has a Best Picture nomination, yes. motherfuckers. Yes. yes. Beautiful. Yes. Which honestly, well deserved. He should have got it years ago. Absolutely. I, I honestly adaptation. Yep. Um, the movie I'm going to recommend to you, I actually watched two nights ago and it's an interesting one because much like cabin in the woods, it was on the shelf for a long time. Yeah. It's from the director, Jonathan Levine, uh-huh. who did the Whackness. I don't know I think if you I ever saw the Wackness. Uh, it's called all the boys love Mandy yeah, Lane. I really want to see this. I've been hearing about it it's for years. It's on Netflix now. It's great. And, um, it's just a slasher movie. Right. Um, I, I don't think too brain. much about the, it has a brain yeah. and it has all of the tropes in it, but none of them play like tropes. Yeah. It plays very realistically. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, It's definitely a dark movie. There's not a lot of humor in it. But as somebody who considers himself a pretty big horror movie zealot, it really works well. And Amber Heard's in it. Yeah. And something that really affected it a lot for me is the fact that this was made in 2011. And it was only released now. Yeah. So the whole thing about it is all the boys love her yeah. and she's much younger than the way right, I picture right, her in my right, head right, now right. so she has kind of this young you know uh, barely legal look yeah, to her yeah, if you yeah, will yeah. I mean, to, to be crass but if yeah. you will yeah, 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 yeah. it's there yeah. and so as you're watching this movie you can't help but kind of feel gross as you do uh-huh. fall in love yeah, with her you're oh, one wow. of the boys yeah, 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 yeah. and you totally understand why all the boys love her yeah. and then people start getting fucking killed yeah. it's a great slasher flick oh, man, I really it's a lot of this. fun and I think it's only like 10 minutes long and it's on Netflix (laughs) Uh, Honestly, it was one of those I put it on. I was like, this looks pretty good. That was great. It was just, it was <laughs> yeah. over. It was a lot of fun. And uh, since you can watch it on Netflix, I I submit that you do. All the boys uh, love Andy. I might Mandy watch Lane. It tonight. Actually, I've been really watching it for cool. years. I keep hearing good things. Well, I know you it. have a lady coming over tonight? It's a slasher movie that I think a lady could appreciate. Hey, because it definitely I wouldn't say celebrates women, but it doesn't have like the yeah, the last girl yeah, yeah, yeah. standing yeah. trope yeah. or the or the slut that gets killed. There's yeah, none of that. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. it is what it is, and yeah. you gotta watch it. It's it's a oh, lot I'm of fun. Into I'm into it. Definitely watch it.
1: All right. Well, for
0: this week, uh, I'm Garrett Smith. Do we want to do any plugs? Um, I don't have anything. Check out my other show, Super Crappy Fun Time, www.supercrappyfuntime.com. I'm not going to plug Your any blog? shows. Uh, oh, yeah. Check out my blog because it's actually got a lot of movie writing on it, thedanscully.tumblr.com. You can ac- access that through my Twitter, at Scully. So please check it out. Uh, let me know what you want me to talk about. I'm trying to write more. So let me know and I'll write about it.
1: I'm on Twitter at film Philadelphia. It's with an F. Uh, I have some comedy shows coming up. Uh, one in New This won't come out by then. Uh, yeah, you, say all my shows. Yeah. You're and not I don't even have film. my calendar. Yeah, you don't fucking care. Uh, we, we do comedy in Philadelphia. So come see us sometime. That'll, and that'll Oh, be you should well. check out Trailer Trash. Garrett's trailer is my other podcast. Trailer Trash with Mike and Garrett. Check it out on iTunes. Uh, check us out on iTunes and uh,
0: leave us a review. We'd really appreciate yeah, it. Definitely subscribe, review. Yep. And for the love of God, we sat around today trying to figure out what movie to watch for a good half hour. Tell us what you want us to talk about. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Even if we haven't seen it, we'll watch it. Yeah, um, t- tweet at us. We've given you our Twitter handles. Tweet at us. Let us know what you
1: want us to watch. We would be happy to watch something, even something we've never seen, and decide if we think it's a movie
0: movie and talk about it. Absolutely. At I like to movie. It's the number two. I like to movie. Yes. Check it out. Check it out. Uh, so, as always, we gonna every do this? week, <laughs>
1: I like to movie movie. <laughs> I like to movie movie. You like to movie you movie. You do. We, we like, like to movie.